Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Wow, glory to God. It's almost like you don't want to stop worshiping God. Amen? Praise God. But that was fun. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe we're getting more and more free in His presence, being able to yield to Him more and more. Hallelujah. God is a faithful God. Really faithful. Praise God. Today I don't want to waste further time, but I'll introduce our dear brother Joji, who will be sharing the word with us today. He's a blessed man with a family and a testimony that God is faithful. Hallelujah. So please welcome brother Joji. Awesome man. Awesome man of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is faithful. How many of you enjoyed worship? Worship was good. I am getting high on the most high. Like Pastor Anup said uh, last, week, last Sunday, I mean, we are designed to be high. God set us at the most high place, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. That's where we are seated. We are actually there, but we are also here. So it's natural for elevated beings to stay high. Hallelujah. We are actually seated there at the right hand of God the Father, and it's natural for us to be high. And that's why Colossians 3 says, Set your affections on things above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God the Father. So as long as we keep our mind there, we be, and we, we'll become high on the right stuff. Hallelujah. It's not cool to sit at a very high place and get high on the wrong stuff. Hallelujah. You fall, it's not going to sound nice and it's not going to look nice. Hallelujah. So it's good. It's good. So we encourage you, be here on time. 10.30, we start our worship. It's good. Let's get high on the most high. God is so good. Uh, I mean, we've almost reached the end of this year. 2020 is just passed by so fast. I mean, sometimes you miss the lockdown. <laughs> I mean, you see the traffic on the road. You see the way the guys drive. And you just think, man, where's 2020? It's gone so fast. Hallelujah. And we are looking good. We are healthy. Good to see that God has brought us so far. Hallelujah. All right, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're in our midst right now. We give you glory, honor, and praise. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that you've lifted us up. You've raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for this privilege and honor to be chosen by you to be sanctified by you, to be justified by you. Oh, oh, we are grateful, we are grateful, we are grateful, we are grateful. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That the eyes of our understanding are being enlightened. And we are here to receive your word with meekness, Father. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. We rejoice, we rejoice, we rejoice. Holy Ghost, have your way. <laughs> Thank you so much. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm excited to be here because we are church. 
Hallelujah. We're going to look at church today. Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 we'll read. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Now what an amazing introduction. Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. It's a church that he established. He started. He's saying, Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ, called to be saints, with all in every place who call upon the name of Jesus. Now does that include us? So he's not just writing to the, book, to, to the Corinthians, he's writing to us. He said, to all who call upon the name of Jesus, call to be saints. So we are a bunch of saints sitting here. How many of you agree with that? Sanctified. Sanctified means made holy, purified, separated. Hallelujah. said saints. The word saint means sacred. That's the meaning of that. Saint. Somebody who is considered blameless and religiously consecrated. Wow. You're saints. You're religiously consecrated to Christ. I like that. Call to be saints. What an amazing address by Paul, the apostle. But after that, things don't look that good. Hallelujah. That's what I like about the book of Corinthians. It's so real. Paul had to deal with a lot of stuff with the Corinthians. To understand, I mean, sometimes when you read the book of Corinthians, you think, man, why does he have to write all these stuff? If you've read through the book of Corinthians, you see this lot of stuff dealing, especially with the flesh. The Corinthians were a bunch of rough, tough guys. To understand that, you need to know their, how, the, how the whole thing started with the Corinthians. See, the ancient Corinth was a Greek port city. They had two ports, one, one on the east and one on the west. And uh, they had an issue with the Romans, and the Romans just destroyed the city of Corinth in 146 BC. And for 200 years, that land was just lying waste. Nobody there. Desolate. And then in 44 AD, when Julius Caesar came to power, he decided to rebuild the city of Corinth. So, because it was lying waste, nobody wanted to go there. There was nothing there. So he came out with a plan. He decided to dedicate that city to the goddess uh, of sex, Aphrodite. She was the goddess of the prostitutes, goddess of sex, so, in a way to make it attractive. And then he sent out messages to ex-sailors, soldiers, legionnaires, telling them, if you come to Corinth, if you help me build this city, 
I will give you special tax concessions, special deals, financial deals, and you will be known as the founding fathers of the city. Now, what a proposal. This guy, Julius Caesar, he considered himself to be a descendant of the goddess Aphrodite. So whichever way you look at it, it was profitable for him. And this was an important port city because of the two ports that they had. So ships could come from east, west, every direction. So these people, they came from all over the place and that city turned out to be the Las Vegas of, of that time. All right? The, it became, a, what do you say, a sex vacation city. Whatever happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. Hallelujah. All right. It's not worth hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Paulano Bariutirva Patra Krista Yesu in Apostle Nagidake, Nano Deura Chitano Saravage, Karel Pateno, Nano e Patravano, Christanali, Namasahodra Nada, Sostenon and Dige, Bariutidene, E. Krista Yesu Nali, Pavitra Ragirovike, Madal Patirova, Corinta Deura Saberige, E. Patrono, Bariutidene, Niu Deura Pavitra Janaragidovake, Karel Patidiri, Prabhu Vada Yesu Christana Hesrinali, Nambikedua Yella Janarundige, Niu Karel Patidiri. Yesu Kristana, Avarigo, Namago, Prabhu Wagitane, Namatande Ada Devar in the Lo, Prabhu Wada Yesu Kristan in the Lo, Nimage, Krupeo Shantiu Doreli. Hallelujah. So this city was founded on the wrong stuff. So because this was the theme of the city, all kinds of wrong crowds came in there. When the people started moving in, scam artists came in, swindlers. And the city also became famous for drunkards. In fact, it was so bad that in the ancient Roman uh, Empire, if you are a drunk, they called you a Corinthian. If you are a vulgar person, they called you a Corinthian. To womanize, they called it to Corinthianize. That's how bad the reputation was. And Paul comes to this city to start a church. So you can imagine the kind of people who will be in his congregation. And Paul gives them a beautiful address there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll read from verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let's read that in Canada, brother. Adarmigolo, Devar Rajyavannu, Padeudilavendo, Nimage, Kanditavagi, Tilidite, Nimano, Nive, Mosa, Mosa Golisitiri, Devra Rajake, Sera, the Janaro, Yaria Rendre, Langika Papa Maduro, Vigraha Gadano, Pujisavoro, Vibichari Maduro, Salinga Kamigolo, Kadioro, Swartigolo, Kudukoro, Bayoro, Mato Mosagaro. Now imagine the pastor of the church standing before the congregation and saying, You are fornicators. 
idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Oh, that would be nice. That's exactly what is happening here. Paul started the church. If you read Acts chapter 18, that's where Paul comes to Corinth and he meets Priscilla and Aquila, who, who were in fact Jews who, were, who had to come out of Rome from Italy. They were kicked out of Italy by the Emperor Claudius. He kicked all the Jews out. And they came there to, the, to Corinth. And when Paul came there in 52 AD, he met them. He stayed with them. He started making tents with them. And uh, because that's what, that's what they were. They were tent makers. And Paul also knew that profession. So he started working with them and preaching the gospel. That's how the church started. And, he, that's, that's, and, he, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I came trembling. Because he had a bad experience just before he came to Corinth. He preached in Athens. If you read Acts 17, he preached in Athens. And he used major vocabulary there. And then they told him, we will think about this later. Not many people accepted the gospel there. So now he's coming to another city which is, which is even famous, more famous for all kinds of, the wrong, all kind of wrong things. So he's like, will they accept my gospel? So he comes there, trembling, in fear, like, have I prayed enough? Have I prepared enough? Will I say the right words? Will they kick me out like in Athens? So with all these kind of thoughts, he's coming there. And he's, preach, he's preaching to them. And that's how the first church in Corinth was formed. Hallelujah. So these are the kind of people that he had to deal with there. Adulterers. Let's look at those words there. Fornicators and adulterers. You know what that means. Sex outside marriage. Then uh, idolaters. Those are people who serve and maintain idols. Then you have effeminate. They are called male prostitutes. Then those who abuse themselves with mankind. They are homosexuals. Thieves. Pickpockets and professional thieves. Covetous. That means people who have an insatiable greed for all kinds of stuff. It could be lust, money, anything. Then drunkards. Excessive alcohol. In fact, these people were so famous for drinking that in every house... When you go there, the basement, they had a big pit which contained a big cellar full of wine. So if they wanted to drink, they just had to go to the basement. Every single house in Corinth, that's how they were famous. That's how famous they were for drinking. And then revilers, they are people who use foul languages. Extortioners. They're scam artists who get things out of people forcibly. This is how they were. But he didn't stop there. He said, but you are washed. That's verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6. But you are, just, you, are, you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. Look at that. It says, such were some of you. Such were. That means it's past. Perfect tense. It is done. But you are, that, is, that means right now, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
he had to deal with them because this letter was written to them based on complaint from their pastor, Apollos. On Wednesday, pastor was reading about the Apollos in Acts chapter 18, if you were listening. Hallelujah. Paul started the church, then later he appointed Apollos as the pastor, and he was the main guy there after Paul left. Paul stayed there for one and a half years, and then he moved out to Antioch, but then they appointed Apollos as the pastor there. And if you look at this, when Paul was writing this letter, Apollos was not there. If you go to the last chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians 16, let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 16, I think it's verse 21. Let's look at that. It's uh, oh, verse 12. And as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Basically, he's saying, <laughs> The pastor of the church is saying, I'm not going there right now. I'll go after some time. Brother, can you read this? Nimma sahodaranada apostle Apollos nanno bagge nanu heluvudenandre itara sahodarondige nimmannu sandarshisalu nanu avannu bahalavagi protsahisidene adre iga baruvudakke avanige nischayavagi ishtavirilla adre avakasha sikkidaga avanu nimma balige baruvanu He is saying when I get a convenient time I'll come back That means pastoring the church in Corinth affected the pastor It really affected the pastor as you read through the chapters you will see Paul is dealing one at one thing at a time. They had divisions in church, idolatry, sexual immorality. They fought with each other. They took each other to court. I mean, these are the kind of people he's dealing with. And after some time, the pastor got mad. <laughs> I'm not saying. And he went and complained to Paul. And now Paul is addressing this. And he's sending this letter through Timothy. So that's the whole context of this letter. So these people, even though they are justified, they're sanctified, because of their background, because of the kind of environment that they lived and they were raised up before Paul came, they carried this baggage into church. How many of you remember the time you were born again? You remember you, the, the kind of past you had before. When you came into church, you did carry them with you. I mean, I brought a lot of baggage. <laughs> Only God knows. The way, your way of thinking did not change. Your spirit got born again. Your body remained the same. Your thinking remained the same. Only the part of your thinking that concerned God got renewed. You had some way thinking about God, but when somebody preached the gospel to you, you renewed, you repented. You changed your thinking and you received salvation. You received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You received the finished work of the cross. And your spirit 
was regenerated instantly. Made new, brand new. In his image, a new creation. Created exactly like Jesus. Wall to wall, Jesus. Exactly the same. Born of the same DNA of the word of God. That's who you are. But on the outside, all the actions that your body did is still controlled by the same thinking. The way you spoke did not change. I mean, before I got born again, I opened my mouth, I could shower you with certain words. And as you come out, you'll be stinking. (laughs) That's the kind of words I used to speak. After I got saved, those words still stayed. Till I took a decision to change those words, replace those words with certain other words from scripture. Hallelujah. Your thinking did not change. Those same temptations that affected you before, they still affected you right now after you got saved. The way you spoke to people did not change. Hallelujah. So these people, the Corinthians, they carried the same baggage into church. For them, sex was just a natural thing. Their understanding about sex was, hey, as long as I feel it, everything is permissible. That's how they were. That's how they thought. You see, one decision by a person in authority can affect a whole generation. I saw this happen in Kerala. In the the late 90s and the early 2000s. Man, Kerala was not a cool place. Because the government and the censor board of Kerala Film Association decided to ease out certain uh, restrictions, all kinds of movies started coming in. Vulgar movies. Started with a very famous movie, especially called uh, (laughs) Love Dragonflies, translated into English. Uh, How do I know? Word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And it affected a whole generation so much that families found it tough to walk through the roads of of Cochin and Trivandrum. I mean, in in the bus stand and railway station, there are posters full of all kinds of vulgar movies. It was so bad. It was so bad that it forced the believers there to start praying. And if you look at the condition of the churches there, the good strong churches there that are actually speaking and preaching good word, they all started in the late 90s and early 2000s. Why? Because of persecution. The same thing happened here in Corinth. Because of the decision made by Julius Caesar to declare that this city is a city for the goddess of sex, all kinds of sexual activities and all kinds of vulgarity just started spreading across. And that was the mentality of the people. But then Paul came. Paul came. He started the church. And slowly the thing changed. It affected so much that the whole of Asia was affected because of the church started in Corinth and Ephesus. Hallelujah. Are you seeing this? When, when sin abounds... Grace much more abounds. Hallelujah. You look at it. It's a pattern that you can see. Whenever the the ruling authority or government decides to permit uh, sin, 
or give freedom to sin, you watch. After some time, the church will rise up. The church will rise up. Because there are people who are praying. There are people who seek God. That's why Acts 17 says, He appointed, pre-appointed your times and destination. Why? So that you may seek God. You may seek God. Diligently seek God. The reason most of us are here is because somebody prayed. Somebody did some work in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. I remember the first time I came to Grace Chapel. It was for a Wednesday Bible study. Now, I still don't remember what pastor preached, but I knew I, I, I was full. I mean, I was new to these things. I mean, I carried a baggage with me so much, my, my thinking was messed up. But the first time I heard the word, I, oh man, this is fully, I don't know what it is, but, but I feel it. It tastes good. It tastes good. And when it tastes good, you stay there. You stay there. We have a puppy near our place who keeps coming home. It's a stray puppy, but it, it knows if it comes there, it'll be fed. It knows that if it comes there, it'll be taken care. So when I came to church, I tasted the food here. I knew, man, this is, this is good. <laughs> so I returned on Sunday. Then I returned on Wednesdays. <laughs> and finally, here I am. <laughs> but only I know the baggage I had here. So it takes some time. It takes some time for you to start hearing, start applying and the results to show outwards. It's not easy. It doesn't happen in a day. So if there's anybody here who thinks, oh, I came to church, but nothing happened. Brother, come and sit down here. Listen to the word that, that comes. Take every opportunity to hear and keep hearing and keep hearing. I'm married for almost 15 years now. My wife can testify. Man, there's still a lot of work needed. <laughs> Hallelujah. All of us. Nobody is perfect. I like um, what one of our uh, uh, pastors from the Bible school, the founder, Pastor Kevin Cooley, he, he's put a big board in front of his church saying, no perfect people allowed. No perfect people allowed. Why? Because you and me, we are there. As long as we are here, there are no perfect people around. Because none of us are perfect. We are being perfected. The day we see Him face to face, oh, that's a day. We look forward to that day. We live every day expecting that day to be today. Hallelujah. Are you seeing this? Let's, go to, let's see this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians again. How many of you like the Corinthian bunch? <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1. We'll read... Um, all right. We'll read verse 4. I've got my notes, but you can't speak the whole thing. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God 
which is given you by Jesus Christ. Say, I thank God for the grace of God which is given you. And what is, what is the grace of God for? Brother, let's read this and then we'll go to Titus chapter 2. ದೇವರು ಕ್ರಿಸ್ತ ಯೇಸುವಿನ ಮೂಲಕ ನಿಮಗೆ ಕೊಟ್ಟಿರುವ ಕೃಪೆಯ ನಿಮಿತ್ತವಾಗಿ ನಾನು ನಿಮಗೋಸ್ಕರ ದೇವರಿಗೆ ಯಾವಾಗಲೂ ಕೃತಜ್ಞತೆಯನ್ನು ಸಲ್ಲಿಸುತ್ತೇನೆ teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ so this is what grace is for what for teaching you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust why so you can live soberly that means in the right mind and righteously that means doing the right work that god has appointed you to do and godly that means representing god where in this present world right now wherever you are that's what the grace of god is for and you can't live like this unless the next part is there which is looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ see chapter sorry verse 12 is not independent of 13 verse 12 is not independent of verse 13 if you want the grace of god to work in your life you need to be looking you need to be expecting jesus is coming today unless you have that expectation in your mind you can't partake of that grace hallelujah because he can come today he can come right now so you need to be expecting that and when you have that in your mind you will know i need more grace man i need more grace i need to live soberly i need to live righteously i need grace That's when you come before the throne of grace to receive and partake of grace to help you in your time of need. That's Hebrews 4:16. Let's read this brother. 11 to 13. ಎಲ್ಲರಿಗೂ ರಕ್ಷಣೆಯನ್ನು ಕೊಡುವ ದೇವರ ಕೃಪೆಯೇ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷವಾಗಿದೆ. ನಾನು ದೇವರಿಗೆ ವಿರುದ್ಧವಾಗಿ ಜೀವಿಸುವಂತೆಯೂ ಲೋಕದ ಜನರ ಜನರು ಮಾಡಲ್ ಪಕ್ಷ ಮಾಡಲ್ ಮಾಡಲಪಕ್ಷಿಸುವ ಕೆಟ್ಟ ಕಾರ್ಯಗಳನ್ನು ಮಾಡುವಂತೆಯೂ ಅದು ತಡೆಯದು. ನಾವು ದೇವರ ಸೇವೆಯನ್ನು ಮಾಡುತ್ತಿದ್ದೇವೆ ಎಂಬುದನ್ನು ತೋರಿಸುವುದಕ್ಕಾಗಿ ನೀತಿವಂತರಾಗಿಯೋ ಜ್ಞಾನಿಗಳಾಗಿಯೋ ಲೋಕದಲ್ಲಿ ಈಗ ಬಾಳಬೇಕೆಂದು ಅದು ಬೋಧಿಸುತ್ತದೆ ನಮ್ಮ ಮಹಾದೇವರು ಮತ್ತು ರಕ್ಷಕನ ಯೇಸುಕ್ರಿಸ್ತನಾದ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷವನ್ನು ಎದುರು ನೋಡುತ್ತಿದ್ದ ಎದುರು ನೋಡುತ್ತಿದ್ದೇವೆ ನಾವು ಈ ರೀತಿಯಲ್ಲಿಯೇ ಬಾಳಬೇಕು ಆತನೇ ನಮ್ಮ ಮಹಾ ನಿರೀಕ್ಷೆಯಾಗಿದ್ದಾನೆ ಆತನು ತನ್ನ ಮಹಿಮೆಯೊಂದಿಗೆ ಬರುತ್ತಾನೆ I thank God for the grace of God that was displayed among you. For the grace. Why did they need the grace? For this. Because you know the baggage that they carried. The background that they came from. So where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. With the background that they come from, God, I mean Paul knew, man, these guys need, need a lot of grace. He needed a lot of grace to minister to them. 
Imagine people coming and telling him every day, I did it again. I yielded to the same temptation again. Oh, pastor. Pastor, pray for me. I did it again. So he needed grace and he knew that they needed grace. So what did he do? He discipled them. He taught them. He laid a strong foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 onwards, he said, I have laid a foundation. Like a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation. You're thinking, Brother Joji, are you still coming back to foundations? (laughs) I can't help it. He laid a foundation. And he said, your judgment is based on the foundation. What you build on the foundation. No other foundation can anyone lay except that of Jesus Christ. The foundation that Jesus himself laid. Hallelujah. So the Corinthians needed this grace. And when the grace of God shows, there are manifestations. And in their case, it showed up as spiritual gifts. Let's continue to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll read verse 5. We read verse 4. That in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. Brother, let's read that. Devur Krista Yesuina Moloka, Nimage Kotirava Krupea Nimitavagi, Nanu Nimagoskara Devariga Yavagalo Krutagnatiano Salisutene. Hallelujah. Says you are enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And then it continues to say. Verse 6, let's read that. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here the grace of God was poured out so much upon them, that when the grace manifested, one of the manifestations was in spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. Said you are enriched by Him. The word enriched means to be made so wealthy. So wealthy, extreme wealth. Comes from the word plutos in Greece, uh, in Greek where you get the word plutocrat. That means a person who is so rich that he does not know how much wealth he has. So Paul is saying you are enriched by him. Let's go there. Verse 5. In all utterance and all knowledge. The word utterance is speaking about the utterance gifts. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And all knowledge, talking about the the knowledge gifts. Which is word of wisdom, word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. And then he continued to say, you are enriched in all gifts. You come behind in no gifts. That means literally all the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts were operating in the church. That it, it was so much that they became quite arrogant about it. Quite snobbish about it. We'll deal with that later. But let's see this. It said, you come behind in no gift. The word come behind means inferior. That you are not inferior to anybody in respect to the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. So much. Hallelujah. 
What is the grace of God for? To help you live soberly. And the grace manifested. But these people, just like many of us, when the gifts of God start manifesting, they became proud. They said, ah, you need to know who we are. We are special people. We are special people. The anointing is only here. They became quite snobbish about these things. Quite arrogant that Paul dealt with them in 1 Corinthians 4. Let's read that. Verse 7. For who makes you to differ from another? And what has you that you did not receive? Now if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? Let's read that in Kannada, brother. Nimanu itara janari gintalo, uttamarendo, yaru helutare. Nimalirva prationdano, devoro, nimage kotidane. Higiruvagi, nimaswanta shakti in the Ogolano, padido kondirante, yeke, jamba kochukolotiri. That word glory there is talking about boasting. Boasting yourself to, a, to an extreme level. That you consider yourself to be so high that you can't compare yourself with anybody else, that no, nobody else comes close to you. That's what that word means. That he, they considered themselves so great. You don't know. When, we, when I stood there, all the, I, I knew these things. I spoke these things and these things happened. You have no idea who we are. You are just a small, the others, they consider just a small church. We are special people. They became quite, quite arrogant. And they became proud. Quite proud. The love of God was not manifesting so much. Even though the gift of God was manifesting. So by this you understand that the gifts of God or the manifestation of the gifts of God are not a criteria of spiritual maturity. The gifts can show up. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, it says, it operates as the Spirit wills. God is a compassionate God. He sees the needs of the people and the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. He's also called the Spirit of compassion. And He manifests Himself based on the needs of the people. That's the grace of God in manifestation. It does not depend on the person who is being used. Yes, you have to be available. But that's the grace of God. So there's nothing for you to be proud about. In fact, it's just the opposite. If you see that God is using you, the the gifts are operating or manifesting through you, you need to know, man, Lord, you use me. I'm humble. It should result in humility. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So you don't have a right to be proud. There's nothing there for you to be proud about. Because you were once, you know how. Hallelujah. Paul gave a good address there. This is how some of you were. Hallelujah. So we don't have a right to boast about anything. If God is using you in any particular way, just humble yourself. Hallelujah. Nothing to boast about. You don't need a special pedestal to announce such a person has come. No. In fact, if you read the 
the New Testament, all the apostles call themselves as servants. Paul, a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. John, a servant. Peter, a servant and an apostle. The first thing is servant. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians, I think it's 2, he said, I consider myself a minister of the gospel. Let's read that. 1 Corinthians 2. Let's see that. Sorry, this is not in my notes, so bear with me. chapter 4. Yeah. Let a man, chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You know the word minister, it actually means the lowest level of slave. That word is a mistranslation. They are the people basically used in the lower level of society. Criminals. I mean, in the ancient days, they had boats, huge boats, and the criminals were put at the base to row the boat, the ships. And they are tied there. They take all the trash. Paul said, let a man account of us like that. Like that. Are you getting this? So there's no need for you to be proud of. And Paul started this church so he, it is rightful for him to expect the people to follow him. To keep his way of thinking. That's why he said, as you continue reading, be followers of me as I follow Christ. Hallelujah. He's talking to the church. He's talking to each one of us. We have no right to boast about anything. Hallelujah. We are each unique, but recreated in His image. Given gifts and appointed to be in certain place at certain time to seek Him. Hallelujah. As you seek Him, what do you get? Reward. Those who seek Him must believe that He is, those who come to Him must believe He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. And the reward automatically lifts you up. But that does, that does not mean you can be proud about it. Hallelujah. The Corinthians had that problem. They became proud. They, became, they started putting other people down. So that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. He said, love does not want itself. Vaunteth itself. That's King James. Vaunteth means... To be quite, uh, how do you say? How do I put it? Uh, quite a windbag. You know what I mean? Somebody who just boasts about himself so much. You know what I did? If no idea, I went there. All these things happen. That's the meaning of the word vaunted. I think it's uh, yeah. Love suffers long. Is kind. Envious not, love vaunteth not itself. That means 
such people who brag so much about themselves that it is difficult to identify is this true or is this a lie is he living in the truth or is he living in a lie that's the meaning of that word vaunteth not itself who is he writing to the church why is he writing this to the to the corinthians because they needed it they had that problem hallelujah Brother, let's read that in Kannada. 1 Corinthians 13.4. Preetiyo bahu tarme ulludu, daya ulludu. Preetiyo hotte kichu paduudilla, hogole kulludilla, adu garva paduudilla, asabhya vagi nadiyavudilla. Hotte kichu, yeah. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? I believe you are getting this. No perfect people allowed in church. None of us are perfect. We each need to correct ourselves with the Word of God. Amen. Our thinking needs to be conformed to the Word of God. Otherwise, those things will start to cre- creep up again. Sometimes you may surprise yourself. Whoa, where did that come from? I haven't said those words in years. It comes. How many of you have had that experience? Man. And you don't feel good. Like, man, I missed it again. Those words, man, that's a long forgotten memory, but it just creeped up. You said those things. You behaved that way. You just, I have a problem in driving. I confess. Somebody honks behind me, I don't like it. I don't like it. I chased them down, honking them for at least half a kilometer. <laughs> you, don't, you don't honk unnecessarily behind me. I give you way. But if you go peep, 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 man. And thank God for a good wife who tries to correct me. But then sometimes, you know, the flesh just... So I remember the first time pastor asked this question, has your driving repented? <laughs> you know, every time my wife corrects me, I'm like, that, that those words just pop up in my mind. Have your driving repented? So slowly, I just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I mean, you're, you're driving, you're the big guy in the car, but you're like, Lord, I'm sorry, <laughs> I repent. And you just ease up. Where do these things come from? The baggages that have been kept hidden there. You need to constantly keep renewing your mind with the word of God, with the thoughts of God, so you start thinking like Him. He said, my words are not like your words. My my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's words are His thoughts. What He thought, He spoke. And the more you meditate on the word of God, the more you think like him. And the more you think like him, the more you act like him. Otherwise, somebody else will act. And you don't like that person. He's a twin brother of the devil. You don't need the devil. Just you, your flesh. That guy, oh man, he stinks. No matter how much deal you put, It still stinks. Hallelujah. We are getting there. We are reaching there. 
So the Corinthians had this problem. They even compared. They, I mean, they had divisions among themselves in the church. They started comparing Paul and Apollos. Said, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. See, both of them were different people. But they preached the same message. They have their own flavors, but they spoke the same message. Paul started the church. In 2 Corinthians 10.10, it said about Paul that he's a short guy. and I mean, his letters are mighty. But his, he doesn't look that great. He doesn't speak that great. Yeah, he's a short guy, ugly looking guy. I mean, imagine a guy who's been beaten, left for dead. Five times he was struck 40 times. He was left for dead, beaten up, shipwrecked, left hungry, imprisoned. I mean, you meet such a guy today, you can be sure that he doesn't look like Vijay Malia. Yes or no? So Paul, his outward appearance was not that great. His speech was also not, not that great. But his letters were mighty. That's why we are reading it today. On the other hand, Apollos, uh, Acts 18 says, he was a mighty orator. He spoke great. He could just discuss and debate with anybody. So they had their flavors. They were different people, but speaking the same message. Hallelujah. That's why Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. And it's God who gives the increase. Each one will get their own reward. But that does not mean the church can take sides. Ah, I, I like Paul's preaching. I mean, after Paul left, after one and a half years, Apollos came in. Maybe it's some of the older people. Oh, I don't like this new guys. This guy who calls himself bro. <laughs> His way of speaking. I don't like this guy. Meanwhile, he's speaking the same message. The young people gathered with him. Hey, bro, high five. But the older people, uh, no, Paul was better. He's a very soft-spoken guy. But this guy, he just shouts. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Paul said, you are still carnal. I heard that there are divisions among you. You are still carnal. I cannot speak to you as spiritual people. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I cannot speak to you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal. Why? Because there is still divisions among you. You consider one person greater than the other. Yes, there is an authority that God has established. Hallelujah. But in the spirit we are all the same before God's eyes. God established a spiritual authority so that the, th the things of God might be transferred. You follow somebody. You follow an example. I, I'm so grateful that God brought me to this church. I could follow pastor's example. I could follow their lives. We watch closely. I mean, I'm a guy who watches closely. First time when I came, I had to man, is this for real? Is this life for real? Can you actually live like this? Can you live constantly expecting the favor of God? I mean, that was a big problem for me. Because I come with my Malayali baggage. That you need to always be crooked, think crooked, manipulate, so you can benefit. 
But then here somebody who just, all right, Lord, I'll just continue to obey. I think I look at the word, try to obey what it says, and it produces. Man, it was difficult for me. <laughs> but I started applying it. I started seeing results. So today, nobody can convince me saying that, oh, I work in a 24 bar 7 process, so I can't come to church. Hello, I worked for 15 years in a 24 bar 7 process, working in senior management, from the lowest to the senior management. I know that if you make a decision, everybody will follow. I made a decision at the beginning itself that you asked me to work on Saturday, Sunday, I'll quit. So I made it very clear to the HR. I've got church on Saturday, Sundays. So you ask me to work on Saturday, Sundays, uh-uh, I won't be there. And even though I was in a 24 bar 7 process, they said, you can have your way. And God honored it. Whatever I did was blessed. I got promoted. So you reach a place where they cannot live without you. That process needs you so they will obey what you declare and what you demand. See, it took me some time. It took me some time to change the thinking. Rather than being conformed to the corporate way of thinking and living, I had to change that thinking. And it started working. It started working. So then finally when I, I started realizing that I have to quit the job, then I knew, man, that is, that is, God is calling me to full-time ministry. I have to quit this job. I have to now learn how to make these things work. Hallelujah. So you started applying things. I mean, about 10 years back, if you said you're, you're going to quit your job and, and go for a full-time ministry, I would have peed in my pants. It was a scary thought for me. But thank God for the examples that I could follow. I was watching pastor's life, watching pastor Anoop's life. I mean, those examples, I could just easily follow them. You had to change your thinking. Thank God for this church. Like pastor said last week, thank God for the salaries that we get. Look around you. How did all these things come to pass? Two years, two years ago, we started with nothing. But it came because of certain work that was done years ago. Certain work that was done, toiling, ministering, speaking, that they have done over the years, which affected lives, which was bearing fruit. Hallelujah. It took some time, right pastor? It took some time, years. I could just look back at my life and say, man, the kind of work that was needed, it's not easy. Like Pastor Anup said, we are designed to be high. So all the time you need to check what are we getting high on. What are we getting high on? Each of us can get distracted. It can be Netflix. It can be Amazon Prime. It can be uh, uh, IPTV, Apple TV. It can be anything. What are we getting high on? Surya TV. <laughs> like, let's not miss the South Indians. You get high on something or the other and it affects the way you speak. It affects your, the way you, you dress. You, it affects the way you deal with people. 
Paul knew the Corinthians had a problem with getting high on the wrong stuff. So he had to write these letters so that they could be dealt with. And as you come to the second letter to the Corinthians, man, it's a whole lot milder. It's a whole lot milder. In fact, he actually wrote, I'm sorry that my earlier letter brought grief to you, brought sorrow to you. But it worked. Obviously, it worked. They were able to receive that letter in meekness, apply it in their lives, and they saw a lot of change. I mean, the the guy who had that problem, who was sleeping with his uh, stepmom, by by the second letter, he said, forgive him. Bring him back into fellowship. First letter, kick him out. Second one, all right, bring him back in. Drastic steps had to be taken initially. Sometimes those, those steps may be painful, but they are good. They are good. I mean, when you correct your children, when you have to deal with them with the rod, it hurts you. It pains you. But why are you doing that? Because scripture said, if you spare the rod, you're sending them to hell. You use the stick, you save them from hell. I'm not here to argue if the rod is just words. No, rod means wadi means wadi. Wadi is wadi. The first Malayalam words my, my kids learned was adi with the wadi. So they know it. When you apply the rod, it hurts you more than it hurts them. But then as you, as you think about it, why did you do it? Because the person who created you had more wisdom than you. And he wrote it for you saying, use it. Use it. You will, you will save a lot of trouble later. Hallelujah. So that's what Paul is doing here. He had to apply the rod to the Corinthians. They, they had a lot of work. Those baggages were nasty, but then it applies to us also today. Just look around us. Look around us. I mean, even the TV channels, you need to be careful what you watch. The other day, I'm not going to say the name of the series. I was also going through Netflix. The, the name of the series was like kind of archaeological. I don't want to say the name. And uh, it's, it's a series. And I was just going through it. Wow, it looks nice. There's some ancient history shown here. So I was going through it. And one of the topics was redemption. So I clicked on that. And I'm so sorry I clicked on that. Because it was so vulgar. You could like, oh my goodness, what is, what is this? And it's right there open for the kids or anybody to just open and watch it. It's around us. It tries to creep in. Creep in our thinking. And it takes some work to put those images out. It takes some work. You need to wash your thinking with the word of God. You need to go back to that throne room. Sit there for some time. Lord, help me. It takes work. Hallelujah. We can't accommodate such kind of things in our lives. You can't accommodate those things. The more you accommodate and tolerate, the more those things will dominate. They will dominate. It will dominate your frame of thinking. It will dominate your thoughts. It will dominate the way you approach other people. Hallelujah. 
They had to deal with them. That's why Paul told them, flee immorality. The word flee means run as if in terror. Run away from it. He knew that they had to change their thinking. They had to change their, their, their environment. He did not ask them to leave Corinth. No. He said, you were there. You lived there. But you can live differently. You can live differently. You don't have to go to the same old place where you hung out before. No. You don't need to hang out with the same friends. You don't need to watch the same movies. You don't need to go to the same websites again. No. You are still here. Where? In this present world. You make a decision right now that grace will work. You tap into that. Say, Jesus, you're coming soon. I need grace. Right now. You put me in this present world in 2020 right now. With all these stuff around me. I have access to so much of these stuff that I need to control. I need to know what I'm watching. I need to, I need to know... And evaluate and judge those things in preparation for your coming. He's coming. He's coming. You like it or not, He's coming. Sooner than you think or expect, He's coming. So each day, you need to live like that. And that place is called in Christ. It's a place called in Christ. Go with me to, let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hallelujah. We'll read verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For that body is not one member, but many. Hallelujah. Let's read that in Kannada, brother. Dehu onde, adre adu aneka angagalano padithi de, haudu dehadali aneka angagali give, adre a yella angagalinda onde ondo dehu. Rupita Vagutade Anteu Christane Namali Kelauro Yehudaragidere, Kelauro Greek Ragidere, Kelauro Gulamariagadere, Kelauro Swatantra Ragidare, Adre Navielaro, one day Dehavagi the Kagi, Wobane Pavitratmana no Mulaka, Dixas Nana Marisit Kondideve, Namilarigo, Wobane Pavitratmana no Kodalaito. Hallelujah. I'll read this from the message translation as well, verse 12 and 13. It's interesting. I believe we have the message translation, right? Yeah. First uh, Corinthians 12, verse 12. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. Verse 13. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. That is what we proclaimed in the word 
and action when we were baptized, each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels were what we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We use something larger, more comprehensive. I like this. The old label is gone. It could be black label, red label, whatever label. It's gone. It's gone. The new label is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. It says by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. If you've attended the, the foundational doctrines, yeah, again, <laughs> you know what baptism means. To be immersed into something so much that your identity changes. Baptism basically refers to a change in identity. It was used in the dyeing industry. You take a white shirt, dip it in the color, in the color lift it up. It's a different thing altogether. The identity of that shirt changed. That's what baptism refers to. Your identity has changed. Baptism into the body of Christ. You are baptized into that body so much that now your identity changed. Your identity is now the body of Christ. That's who you are. The Corinthians needed to know this. That's why it says, look at that. We each used to independently call our own shots. When I call the shots, I decide what to do with my life. It's my life. It's no more you. Hallelujah. Your identity changed. You're a different person altogether. A different class of being altogether recreated as one body called the body of Christ. That's your identity. Christ means the anointed one with the anointing. And you are the body of the anointed one with the anointing. Let's read verse uh, 27. Chapter 12, verse 27. Look at that. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. King James says the body of Christ. You are Christ's body. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Hallelujah. Just like the body has many parts. Some of the parts are external that others can see. But the most important parts are inside. Hallelujah. The butt can't say, because I'm not in the front, I stop working. No. No. Can't say that. Let's look at that. Go with me there to... Uh, uh, let's get there. Uh, where was it? Yep, verse 21. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Let's read in King James. Yeah. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Look at that. No need of you. That simply means I have no occasion to employ your services. I don't need your services. That's the meaning of that word. 
You can't say to another person who's a believer, we don't need you. You mean nothing to me. Why? Because we are all part of the same body. We can't neglect each other. Yes, in a body, some parts are there to maintain the rest of the body. Like the hands. Without the hands, the other parts of the body won't look nice. You need this hand to maintain the rest of the body, to clean up the other parts of the body. Yes or no? You need these legs, which are external, which you can see from the outside, to make sure you're in the right place at the right time. You be there. Similarly, in the body, God has placed certain people. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Let's read that. Ephesians chapter 4. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Let's read this in Kannada please. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Kannu nīnu nanage avashya villa yandu kaige helalārodhu. Mattu kthaliyo nīnu nanage avashya villa yandu pādakke helalārodhu. Hallelujah. Well, just say something which might be interesting. That word, no need of you, the Greek it says, Cherian suuk. But in this place, the Cherian is the most important person we need, whose services are the most important. <laughs> Everything that you see around you came from Cherian's mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at that. It says he placed some apostles, some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Those positions are not for everybody. They are there appointed by God for the edifying of the body. Hallelujah. The body needs some edifying. Hallelujah. Without the edifiers, the rest of the body will look bad. The body will stink. Hallelujah. So God appointed these people there so they will prepare the rest of the body. They will make sure the body looks good. That's why you need this fivefold ministry. The apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors and teachers to build up the body. To prepare the body for the work of the ministry. Because it's the body that does the work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whose body is it? The body of Christ. Christ's body. You and me, we are the body. Body of the anointed one. We are the ones who does the work of Christ. Hallelujah. He is the head, we are the body. It's the body that goes to places. It's the body that lays hands on the sick. It's the body that, 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 that ministers to people. Hallelujah. We are the body. But for the body to do the work of the ministry, there's a fivefold ministry. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. They make sure the body is prepared. Just like the way the hand makes sure the body looks good. The hands. You make sure the, the shirt is tucked in tight. 
so certain bulges will not be seen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So each one of us are important because we are all part of the same body. Though you may not be seen in the forefront, you're as important as the person in the front. We can't neglect each other. Like you always say, when the butt itches, the hand needs to go there. That's when the head feels the satisfaction. Yes or no? You can try rubbing it, but then that won't work. (laughs) When the hand reaches the destination and massages that part, the head feels it. Ah, yes, yes, oh yeah. You feel it. Whatever else you do, that satisfaction is not there. Who is the head? Christ is the head. (laughs) You can't neglect the butt saying, no, 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 I won't touch you. No, no. The hand is needed. Hallelujah. If your kidneys stop functioning, no matter how beautiful the face looks, the face will get affected. No matter how big a biceps you have, your kidneys stop functioning, that biceps will be affected. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> we need each other. We can't put anyone down. We can't differentiate between people or discriminate people based on their, their culture, their background, their languages. I mean, all of us came from different backgrounds. We all have our ways of thinking. When I come from the south, my wife comes from the northeast. Totally opposite. There are no common factors even in our languages. (laughs) And the food. Down south, food smelling good equals taste good. But right there, it's different. Their mouths salivate when they get that smell. I mean, that's always been a mystery for me. (laughs) But God brought us together. And we are one. We are heirs together. Hallelujah. Same way, we've all come from different places. In some families, I mean, they may not be used to the parents kissing each other, hugging each other, saying, I love you. I mean, I was raised like that. You need to be tough. My mom was in the army, like, need to be tough. Somebody beats me up and I come home, first thing she'll ask me, did you beat him back? If I say no, then I get beaten. She say, you give him at least one, rest I'll take care. That's my mom. At least one you give, the rest I'll take care. She was in the army. And, we, and growing up, we never saw parents hug each other or say, I love you. So we were not used to it. But then, after you came in Christ, you renewed your thinking. You knew it is righteous to hold your wife's hand, to hold her, to hug her, to kiss her in front of the kids so they will know, hey, daddy loves mommy. Hallelujah. It's a different way. So you can't differentiate people. So what if they, they have a different way upbringing, if they had a different way of life? If they are born again, we are all part of the same body. We are all part of the same body. 
Some people, if they refuse to change, you may have to keep them at a distance. But you can't hate them. You can't hate them. Maintain a healthy distance. You know your, your heart maintains a healthy distance from your kidney? <laughs> if the heart comes close to the kidney, there's some problem. <laughs> yes or no? Same way, within the body, you need to maintain a healthy distance <laughs> between certain people. <laughs> Hallelujah. If your lungs come in close contact with your intestines, it will be bad. <laughs> yes or no? So the lungs say, hey, I love you, intestine, but let's keep our distance. I love you. We need each other. Hallelujah. So if that person in church has been bothering you, pray for them. Pray for them. Bring them before God. Bless them. Hallelujah. Just like the lungs. If it doesn't like the smell of the kidneys or the, or the, or the intestine, what will the lungs do? Take some more fresh air. Say, intestine, take some more air. So you pray for them. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you getting this? I believe you're understanding this. We need each other. Especially as the day of the Lord approaches. Our attitude should be that. Man, Jesus can come any day. And like Pastor was saying, what if that person ends up being your neighbor <laughs> in heaven for eternity? <laughs> you are complaining and griping about that person in church as long as you are there. When you ended up in heaven, he's your neighbor. Or maybe you didn't get the, the, get the mansion. It was a dormitory and he was your bedmate right next to it. I'm just kidding. Forever? Nah, that won't be cool. That won't be cool. We need each other. Each one of us have been blessed with different talents and gifts, giftings. All of them are to be maneuvered correctly for the glory of God. That's why you need the fivefold ministry. So those gifts and talents are directed for kingdom purposes. That brings glory to God. That be a blessing to somebody else. Hallelujah. I believe you understood this. I mean, I could just speak for another hour, but I think our time is almost up. So we need to consider each other. We all have our baggages. But today we are sanctified. We are washed. We are justified. That's how God looks at us. New creations. Not just you, the person sitting next to you. So they may not be perfect on the outside, but that's who we are. In Christ. In the Spirit, we are all just the same. Hallelujah. You're blessed. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you have a blessed time? Amen. Woo, hallelujah. That was good. Praise God. So, you know, we're going to live like that. Hallelujah. The hand needs the head. The head needs the foot. And some of those unseen parts, everybody needs them. Amen. So, sometimes you are visible. Sometimes you are invisible. 
but you are the body of Christ. Amen. Let's go forward into a time of uh, communion. I'll read a verse or two of scripture. Praise God. 1 Corinthians, let's read there chapter 11. Praise God. Notice there, verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. Hallelujah. Let's hear that in Canada, please, Brother John. Nano Prabhuvininda Hondikondidano Nimage Upadeshisidene Aden Andre Yesuano Kolo the Kagi Opisikota Ratreli Atano Rotiano Tegukondo. And then verse twenty four says, When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Ade Ritiali Auru. Amen. So you notice verse 25 continues, after the same manner also he took the cup. Notice there that all this is done in remembrance of him, whether it be the bread or whether it be in the cup. Hallelujah. Now, notice also 1 Corinthians 10, and let's observe there, verse 17. It says, For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Shall we hear that also in Canada, please? Amen. So, if you read your Bible, you will notice that he says we are one bread. He doesn't say we are one blood. He says we are one bread. Even though we have one cup which represents the blood and bread which represents the body, he says we are one bread. He doesn't say we are one cup. Amen. So, the emphasis is that we are actually part of one another. We are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And we need to be able to understand that and handle that before the power of communion becomes real. Let's read also uh, 1 Corinthians 11, a verse or two. And let's observe there, verse 28. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Observe here, it says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Then he goes on, 31, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Let's hear 28 and 31 also in Kannada. Pratyobha vyaktiyo rottiyannu tinnuvudu kintalo, patra inda kudiyudu kintalo, munchitavagi tanna rudiyadannu parishilisikollabeko. Amen. So there is an examination that has to be done personally by individuals. And then verse 29 connects it, for he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation or condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Look at verse 29 also, brother, in Kannada. Notice it said there, we are not discerning the Lord's body. 
Amen. So the body of Christ, that means the individual members, we have to check and see how our relationship is with each other. And then judge that. If you are not dealing properly with the other believers, you have to judge yourself. The pastor may not judge you. You know, some churches, the pastor will decide whether you should take communion or not. That's not necessarily scriptural. Amen? Except you have adverse cases like this Corinthian story. Amen? Where he said, don't eat with them. Don't eat with that kind of guy. But um, as far as I know, today you have a heart, you have a conscience on your own. Are you treating your brother, your sister in Christ the right way? Check that for yourself. Otherwise, all this is just juice and wafer. It means nothing. Hallelujah. But if you make the adjustment, am I treating my brother properly? Am I treating my sister in the Lord properly? Then this becomes powerful. It becomes the Passover meal and it produces healing, wholeness, soundness, welfare, well-being. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Hallelujah. So it becomes powerful when we examine ourselves. Praise God. So don't just make it a culture and a tradition in the church. Examine and see, phew, man, that brother, that sister. I need to go and see them. I need to go do something about it. I need to settle something. Praise God. Make a decision, whatever it takes, and see what you can do. Some people require a healthy distance, but it should be not a distance with problems. Amen. The heart and the Intestines have a distance, but um, it is the required distance, and it was supposed to be like that. Amen? Praise God. So we may give some people some space, but we should be at peace also at the same time, even though we have space. Amen? So you and I have work to do, you know. Until Jesus comes back, we have to make adjustments like this with this brother, that sister, whatever has happened in the past, etc., etc., it will pile up here and stop the blessing. Amen? So it boils down to a lot of emotions. Very powerful. Emotions are very, very powerful. Those emotions have to be judged and adjusted and changed, and then this becomes powerful. Otherwise, it means nothing. Praise God. So let's check just for a few seconds inside and see how you're doing with the brothers, with the sisters. Those people called brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so is very, very powerful. Shall we? Thank you, Father, for your mercy right now. As we examine our hearts, thank you for going the distance to make peace. Oh, in Jesus' name, that we hold nothing against anyone, that we forgive them. In the name of Jesus, thank you for your mercy right now. Thank you for your mercy right now in that family situation. Thank you for your mercy right now in that job situation. In our handling of the brother and the sister in that job, in the church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name to forgive and to release. Hallelujah. Thank you for your mercy right now. Because you are coming soon. We remember. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we eat and drink?
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for healing mercy. Thank you for restoring. Thank you for the power of God flowing in our bodies, our needs being met, because you paid for it all. You paid for it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll also read a scripture as we prepare to receive the offering. And it's a very interesting scripture. You're very familiar with it. Luke chapter 6. And we'll hear it in Canada also. Verse 38. And let's just see what we can get. It says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom with the same measure that you meet. Without it shall be measured to you again. Let's hear that in Canada, please. Itarige Kodiri, Aga Nimage Doriodo, Patrelli, Adumi, Aladisi, Horachaluante, Aledu Nima Seregege Hakovaro, Niu Aleo, Aleoante, Ale in the Lo, Nimago, Aladindare Kodare. This verse may not work for everybody, even though it is a common verse used for giving offerings and so on. Because it refers to a law. Look at the previous verse, verse 37. He says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Then it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. So 37 is very connected to 38. Shall we hear 37 also in Canada, please? <laughs> Praise God. You know, this thing about uh, forgiving and judging is very powerful. As Christians, uh, you will have heard messages where it says, don't judge, don't judge. But then you find the Bible also says you should judge properly. But then it also says to judge the action, not the person. Amen? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ and all of that. Notice there that we are allowed to be spiritual and judge all things, not people. Amen? So you judge the action and you let the person go. Are you getting this? But like Brother Anup and I were discussing the other day, it's hard. It's very hard to separate the action from the person because he did it. You're the guy that did it, man. To separate the two is supposed to be a spiritual person. Only spiritual people can separate the two. People who are emotional cannot separate the two. They say, you did it. Whatever it is, you did it. We should be able to separate the two. Okay, the action is wrong, but the person is a believer. The person is an unbeliever, whatever. But the action is what we must judge. So, judge, forgive, forget, release... And then give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will cause men to give to your bosom. With the measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. Can you see that there are requirements in the giving and the receiving? It's not just give and you'll get. Uh -uh. So as you keep checking your life and then acting on the word, the, the increase becomes more and more real. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Shall we prepare our hearts before we give? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we prepare our hearts. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you. 
that we forgive. We hold nothing against the people. We release them. We declare they are blessed. And we make up our minds to put into action whatever is required to enjoy a, a flow, a seamlessness in the body of Christ. With that required distance, if necessary, but with peace, love, and mercy. Be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Praise God. You are blessed as you give. And for those of us who are also giving online, I would like to just stand with you. Father, as your people are giving in Jesus' name, using the media, giving online, every curse is broken, every lie is canceled. The mercy of God is flowing in their lives. Thank you for good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Those that they have forgiven, we also say they are forgiven. Let mercy follow them. Let the goodness of God follow them now. May there be restoration in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You are so blessed. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer, you're welcome to the front. We will pray with you. We'll believe with you. But um, God is a faithful God. Hallelujah. I sense that there are going to be angels manifesting more in these days. Amen? There are going to be angels involved in your life. So acknowledge that. Tell the Lord, thank you for those angels. Release the angels. Let them work for you. Praise God. Angels are going to be increasing in their operation in these days. Praise God. So take full advantage of that in Jesus' name. Amen? You are blessed. Praise God.